You're listening to the Well Woman Healthy Lifestyle Podcast, your ultimate resource for high-achieving professional women. I'm your host, Michelle Broad, a certified women's health, adult nurse practitioner, and hormone expert. As a proud daughter, wife, mama, and nan of two, I understand the importance of balancing success in your career with personal well-being. We're dedicated to fueling your ambition and prioritizing your health. Join us each week as we dive into achieving a harmonious blend of career excellence and personal wellness. Say goodbye to overwhelming jargon and complex science. We'll provide practical insights and actionable advice in a non-approachable, in an approachable, non-judgmental manner. Tune in, ladies, each week and embark on a transformative journey toward a healthier, more vibrant you. It's time to take charge of your health and career like never before and empower yourself to thrive. All right, ladies, this is October, and October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, so I thought that we should talk about breast cancer and discuss risk factors, facts, lifestyle choices, some diagnostic procedures, and much more. So grab your cup of coffee or grab your cup of tea, and let's dive in. So first things, let's talk about risk factors that can increase a woman's chances of getting breast cancer. These include, these are things that really, some of them that you can, you can help and some of them you can't. So they include genetic factors, family history, your age, if you're on hormone replacement therapy, and if you've ever had any radiation exposure. So now I want to look at some in-depth statistics with you on breast cancer, including percentages and percentages related to your age. So first of all, breast cancer is the most common cancer in women globally, okay? accounting for 25% of cancer cases among women. In the United States, it is estimated that one in eight women, about 12%, will develop invasive breast cancer during her lifetime. So let's look at some age-specific incidences. While breast cancer can occur at any age, the risk increases with age. So here's a breakdown by age group. So under 40 years, about 4% of breast cancers occur in women under 40. The majority of breast cancers, about 63%, occur in women age 40 to 59, and about 33% of breast cancers are diagnosed in women age 60 and older, okay? So globally, breast cancer is the leading cause of cancer-related deaths in women, with approximately 15% of all cancer deaths among women attributed to breast cancer. The five-year survival rate for breast cancer is relatively high, with an average around 90%. However, The survival rate varies significantly depending on the stage of diagnosis. For localized early stage breast cancer, the five-year survival rate is over 99%, while for distant late stage breast cancer, it it drops to around 28%. So what does that tell us? It tells us that you want to be getting your screening test. If you do develop breast cancer, your survival rates are much better if you're diagnosed earlier in the stage versus later in the stage. And so that is a good thing. So ladies, please do get your testing according to your age and how you need to do it or your family history and different things like that. Survival rates also vary by age. Younger women diagnosed with breast cancer, they tend to have slightly lower survival rates, which can attribute it to factors such as more aggressive tumor types and delayed diagnoses. Older women may have lower survival rates due to comorbid health conditions that affect treatment options. So there's different things that are going to affect survival rates besides just age and different things like that. Okay, it's again, it's when it's diagnosed, it's when it's treated, all different types of different things. Okay, let's talk about some screening and detection. Regular mammograms for women age 40 and older can reduce breast cancer mortality by approximately 20 to 40%. Now you might be saying to me, hey, Michelle, 20 to 40% isn't really high on the spectrum of percentages. 
But ladies, it's the best that we have currently. So it is the best that we have currently. I'm going to say that again. So you need to get your mammograms done according to your age and according to your risk factors and family history and different things like that. So I want to talk to you now. Let's go into a little bit of the risk factors. Family history of breast cancer can significantly increase your risk. Women with a first-degree relative, mother, sister, or daughter on either the mother's side and or father's side with breast cancer have about a two-fold increased risk. Genetic mutations like the BRCA1 and the BRCA2 can substantially increase the risk with a lifetime risk of 60 to 80%. Okay, The incidence and mortality rates of breast cancer vary among different ethnic and racial groups. For example, African-American women have a slightly lower incident rate, but a higher mortality rate compared to Caucasian women. So let's talk about some preventative measures, okay? Get a little bit onto some of the positive sides here, okay? Here's some lifestyle factors that can increase the risk of breast cancer. Okay, so these are things that can increase your risk on top of those things that we just talked about. Excessive alcohol consumption. Alcohol contains ethanol, which can be converted in the body to a carcinogenic substance called acetylhydine. Acetylhydine can damage DNA and proteins, increasing the risk of cancer. Excessive alcohol consumption, even in moderate amounts, ladies, has been linked to an elevated risk of breast cancer. The risk increases with quantity and quantity of alcohol consumed. Okay, Women who consume two to three alcoholic drinks per day have a 20% higher risk of breast cancer compared to non-drinkers. Okay. Next thing, obesity. Obesity is associated with higher level of circulating hormones, such as estrogen and insulin, which can stimulate the growth of breast cells and increase the likelihood of, of mutations that lead to cancer. Fat tissue produces estrogen, and having more fat tissue means higher estrogen levels, which can fuel the growth of a hormone receptor-positive breast cancer. Obese postmenopausal women are at a particularly increased risk as they no longer have the protective effect of regular menstrual cycles, which naturally reduce estrogen levels, okay? Having a high-fat diet. A diet ladies high in saturated fats can contribute to obesity and increase the risk of breast cancer. High-fat diets can lead to weight gain and inflammation in the body, which can promote the development and progression of cancer. While not all fats ladies are harmful, it's the consumption of unhealthy fats, particularly saturated fats found in fried foods and processed meat that possesses the most risk, okay? Physical activity plays a crucial role in maintaining a healthy weight and reducing the risk of obesity. Regular exercise can help regulate hormone levels, including estrogen and insulin, which, as mentioned earlier, are associated with breast cancer risks. Additionally, physical activity can boost the immune system and reduce inflammation, which may help protect against the development of cancer cells. So now I want to explore the differences between mammogram breast ultrasound, diagnostic mammograms, ultrasound-guided biopsies, and stereotactic biopsies, along with what each procedure is typically used for. Okay, so the first one is a mammogram. A mammogram is an x-ray of the breast tissue. It's primarily used for breast cancer screening and early detection. Mammograms can identify abnormal areas such as tumor and microcalcifications. During a mammogram, the breast is compressed between two plates to obtain x-ray images from different angles. Okay. Breast ultrasound is used uses sound waves to create images of the breast tissue. It is often used to further evaluate areas of concern identif identified during a mammogram or physical examination, especially in younger women with dense breast tissue. Okay, so you may get a breast ultrasound if you're under 30 when your breast still is mostly fat, 
and it's less dense. Okay. A procedure, a gel is applied to your breast and a transducer is moved across the breast to create images. It can help distinguish between fluid-filled cyst and solid masses. Okay, a diagnostic mammogram. A diagnostic mammogram, ladies, is an x-ray that provides more detailed images than a screening mammogram. It is used when there are specific breast symptoms or abnormalities found during a routine mammogram. Similar to a screening, screening mammogram, but with additional views to focus on the area of concern. All right. Ultrasound guided biopsy is used to sample suspicious breast tissue. When an abnormality is found on a mammogram or ultrasound, this procedure can determine if it's cancerous or benign. Okay. A radiologist uses ultrasound images to guide a thin needle into the breast tissue to extract tissue samples for examination. A stereotactic biopsy is another method for sampling suspicious breast tissue. It is used when the abnormality is visible on mammogram images, but not easily palpable or visible by ultrasound. The patient lies face down on a specifically designed table and the breast is compressed. Computer guidance is used to precisely target and extract tissue samples. Okay. Sometimes ladies during diagnostic procedures, they may place a marker in your breast for future reference. This marker helps pinpoint specific areas of concern for further follow-up examinations or for further surgeries if needed. Okay. So now let's talk about non-cancerous breast conditions, including breast cysts, fibroadenomas, as well as another non-cancerous breast condition known as fibrocystic breast changes. Because I know a lot of my ladies are always asking me about these different things when they get their mammograms back. So a breast cyst. Breast cysts are fluid-filled sacs that can develop in the breast tissue. They are relatively common and can vary in size. Cysts may increase any symptoms in some cases. However, larger cysts can lead to breast pain, tenderness, and a lump that can be felt. A breast ultrasound or mammogram may be used to confirm the presence of a cyst. Aspiration, a procedure in which the fluid is drained from the cyst with a fine needle, can also be done to relieve symptoms and confirm the cyst's non-cancerous nature. Okay. Fibroadenomas, they are non-cancerous breast tumors made up of both glandular and connective tissue. They are typically smooth, firm, and rubbery to the touch. Fibroadenomas are often painless but can cause breast lumps that are usually movable. They are most common in women under 30. A mammogram or ultrasound can help distinguish fibroadenomas from other breast conditions. In most cases, a biopsy, removing a small sample of the tissue, is performed to confirm the diagnosis. Fibrocystic breast changes are a common condition characterized by the presence of lumpy or rope-like breast tissue. This condition can lead to cysts, breast pain, and sometimes even nipple discharge. Women with fibrocystic breasts may experience clinical breast pain, cyclical breast pain, and they may notice changes in the texture of the breast tissue throughout their cycle. It's because your, your breasts follow your hormonal menstrual cycle. So clinical examinations, mammograms, and ultrasound are often used to diagnose fibrocystic changes. While the condition itself is not cancerous, it can sometimes make it more challenging to detect other breast abnormalities during screening. Aden adenosis. Adenosis is a benign condition where the lobules, the milk-producing glands, in your breast become enlarged. It is often associated with fibrocystic breast changes. Adenosis may cause not noticeable symptoms that can sometimes lead to breast pain or discomfort. They are typically diagnosed through a combination of clinical exam and imaging tests like mammograms or ultrasounds. And biopsies may be performed in some instances as well. Papillomas. Papillomas are non-cancerous growths that occur within the milk duct of the breast. They can lead to nipple discharge, often bloody. Nipple discharge, 
particularly if it's bloody or clear, is a common symptom of papillomas. They're usually small and may not be palpable as a lump. Mammogram and breast ultrasounds are used to detect papillomas, and biopsies may be performed to confirm the diagnosis. Okay, so breast cancer, ladies, is a complex disease with various types. Each is characterized by unique features, growth patterns, and characteristics. So now let's look at an overview of some of the common types of breast cancer that you may hear or some family members may hear. First one is ductal carcinoma in situ, otherwise known as DCIS. DCIS is considered the earliest form of breast cancer where abnormal cells are found in the lining of a breast duct that have not invaded surrounding tissues. It is non-invasive, non-invasive, and it is detected, and if detected early, it is highly treatable. DCIS may progress to invasive breast cancer if left untreated. Now we go to invasive ductal carcinoma, IDC. IDC is the most common type of invasive breast cancer, originating in the milk ducts and then spreading into the surrounding breast tissue. IDC often presents as a lump or mass and can have different subtypes with varying growth rates and characteristics. Treatment options depend on the specific subtype and stage. Now we go to invasive lobular carcinoma, ILC, all these different initials. ILC begins in the milk-producing lobules and can spread beyond the lobules into the surrounding breast tissue. ILC may also represent, present as a distinct lump, but is a thickening of the breast, and it tends to be less common than IDC. Then you have triple negative breast cancer. Triple negative breast cancer is characterized by the absence of three specific receptors, estrogen receptor, progesterone receptor, and human epidelial growth factor receptor, HER2. TNBC tends to be more aggressive and is associated with a higher risk of reoccurrence. Targeted therapies that work against these receptors are not effective for TNBC. HER2 positive breast cancer. HER2 positive breast cancer, ladies, is characterized by an overexpression of the HER2 protein on the surface of the cancer cell. HER2 positive breast cancer can be more aggressive, but targeted therapies like Herceptin are highly effective in treating this type. Then you've got luminal A and B subtypes. These subtypes, ladies, are based on the presence of hormone receptors, estrogen and progesterone, and other molecular characteristics. Luminal A cancers often grow more slowly and are less aggressive, while luminal B cancers may be more aggressive and a poor, and a poor prognosis. Then you have inflammatory breast cancer. Inflammatory breast cancer is a rare and aggressive form of breast cancer that often presents with redness, swelling, and warmth in the breast, mimicking an inflammatory process. Inflammatory breast cancer, otherwise known as IBC, spreads rapidly and requires aggressive treatment, including chemotherapy and surgery. Then you have metastatic breast cancer, stage four. Metastatic breast cancer occurs when cancer cells have spread beyond the breast tissue to other organs such as the lungs, bones, liver, or brain. Metastatic breast cancer is considered incurable, but treatment focuses on managing the disease, extending life, and improving quality of life. Okay, now that we've had some downer news and we talked a lot about different types of breast cancer and I gave you a lot of science there, Let's kind of lighten it up and let's explore how each of these, how lifestyle changes can contribute to overall breast health. Okay, these are things that we can do. Importance of a balanced diet. A balanced diet, ladies, rich in fruits, vegetables, and whole grains, lean proteins, and healthy fats provide essential nutrients and antioxidants. These nutrients can help support the body's immune system and maintain breast health. A diet low in saturated fats and processed foods can help regulate hormones, including estrogen, which is linked to some forms of breast cancer. Maintaining a healthy weight through diet can reduce the risk of obesity, which is associated with an increased risk of breast cancer. 
Physical activity, ladies, helps burn calories, reduce body fat, and maintain a healthy weight. Obesity is a risk factor for breast cancer, as we've mentioned, so exercise plays a crucial role in prevention. Exercise can also help regulate hormonal levels, including estrogen. It may also reduce insulin resistance, which is also linked to breast cancer. Regular exercise strengthens the immune system, enhancing your body's ability to defend against cancer and other diseases. Okay. Now, we often talk about this as well with many things, and it comes up with breast cancer too, and it has to do with stress management. God, I just love to talk to you because stress is, is like is weaved into almost every single thing out there, every disease process. We can talk how there's some link to stress, okay? Chronic stress can lead to hormonal imbalances, including elevated cortisol levels. And these high cortisol levels, ladies, may promote inflammation and contribute to the growth of cancer cells, okay? They can contribute, Okay. Managing stress can lead to a healthier lifestyle, and it can, when people are less stressed, they're more likely to engage in activities like exercise and maintain a balanced diet. Overall, reducing stress enhances our well-being, which can positively impact our physical health, including breast health. Okay, So here I want to talk to you about the significance of self-breast exams, because a lot of people say, oh, we should just toss those out the door. They just cause a lot of fear for people. We find a lot of false negatives. But here's the thing. Early detection is where it's at. Regular self-breast exams empower individuals like us, ladies, to become familiar with our breast tissue. Detecting changes early, such as a new lump or abnormalities, can lead to early diagnosis and treatment, improving outcomes. Okay, Self-exams promote breast awareness. This is what we're talking about, breast awareness. Learning about your body, understanding what it's doing. This awareness, ladies, can allow you to promptly report any changes or concerns to your healthcare provider facilitating timely evaluation and necessary screenings, okay? Then you have the complement to the clinical exams. So self-exams are things that you do at home, and then a clinical breast exam is performed by your healthcare provider, and then they will order either a mammography, depending on your age, ultrasound, or any other test that they need to do to create a comprehensive approach for your breast health, okay? So we talked a lot about different stages of cancer, what are some benign type of um, breast issues, you know, that we talked about some incidents, we talked about mortality, we talked about a lot of different things. So now I want to answer some audience questions because we got some here. So the first question comes from Susan P. Are there any natural remedies or supplements that can lower breast cancer risk? Okay. So here's the thing. While maintaining a healthy lifestyle, Susan, with a balanced diet and regular exercise is essential for breast health. There is no definitive evidence that specific supplements or natural remedies can significantly lower the risk of breast cancer, okay? It's crucial to consult with your healthcare provider before taking any supplements to make sure that they agree with you, as some may interact with medications or have unintended side effects. So there's a lot of things that we can do for our health, okay? And taking supplements is definitely one of them. But just because we take supplements, it doesn't mean that it's going to lower our risk factors because, like we said, there's some risk factors that are out of our control. You know, age is one of them, genetics, different things like that. Okay, number two, from Wanda S. What is the role of genetics and breast cancer risk, and should every woman consider genetic testing? Okay, all right, Wanda. Genetics can play a significant role in your breast cancer risk. Certain gene mutations, such like we talked about as BRCA1 and BRCA2, are associated with a higher risk of developing breast cancer. Genetic testing can be performed, and it is recommended if you have a family history of breast cancer or other risk factors. 
However, it's a decision to be made in consultation with a genetic counselor and with your healthcare provider. As not everyone needs genetic testing, it, they have certain questions and qualifications that you need to meet in order to be able to get genetic testing done, okay? So not everyone needs genetic testing. But if you have a strong family history of it, if you have a mother um, who is below the age of 40, um, there's those all factor into whether you can get breast cancer genetic screening or not. The next question is from oh Kelly, oh Kelly P. How does breastfeeding impact breast health and breast cancer risk? Okay, great question. Breastfeeding Kelly offers several benefits for both you and your baby. It may slightly reduce the risk of breast cancer, especially if breastfeeding continues for an extended period. Breastfeeding helps to delay the return of your menstrual cycle, thus reducing your lifetime exposure to estrogen. However, individual breast cancer risk factors vary, and breastfeeding alone may not eliminate the risk entirely. Okay. And we have, oh, one last question here. Okay, my, my producer's telling me we've got another question here from, let's see. Oh, is this from? Oh, Marsha. Marsha W. Breast reconstruction, okay, it says, she says, what are the options for breast reconstruction after mastectomy, and when should a woman consider it? Okay. So here's the answer. Breast reconstruction is a personal choice, okay, and it should be discussed with your healthcare provider. Options including implants or using your body's tissue, um, those are all options. Reconstruction can be done immediately after mastectomy or they can be delayed. The timing and type of reconstruction also depends on individual preferences, health, and the extent of the cancer treatment plan. Support and counseling are often provided to help women make some informed decisions. So with that, you know, not everybody wants to get reconstruction. Um, some people just, they prefer that they'll just put an, you know, one of those, you can put it like a foam thing inside of your bra, but it's a personal choice and you should talk about your options with your provider and with your um, surgical team if you have to have a um, breast removed, okay? So let's now dive into ending the episode with some key takeaways from our discussion on, breath, on breast health, okay? Understanding risk factors, ladies, like family history, age, hormone therapy, and radiation exposure can help us as women assess our risk factors, okay? Breast cancer is the most common cancer among women worldwide, but early detection through regular screening significantly improves survival rates. Lifestyle choices like exercise, alcohol consumption, obesity, a high-fat diet, and lack of physical exercise can increase our overall risk of breast cancer. Maintaining a balanced diet, engaging in regular exercise, managing stress, and conducting self-breast exams can reduce the risk of breast cancer and promote overall breast health. Okay, Understanding the differences between mammograms, breast ultrasounds, diagnostic mammograms, and various biopsy techniques can help you in the early detection and evaluation of breast abnormalities. Okay, Knowing about non-cancerous breast conditions like breast cysts, fibroadenomas, cystic breast changes, adenosis, and papillomas is critical as they may mimic cancer symptoms but are typically benign. Okay, Recognizing the different types of breast cancer including DCIS, LIDC, ILC, TNBC, and HER2 receptor positive, luminal subtypes, IBC, and metastatic breast cancer aids in understanding diagnosis and treatment options. Now, let me just say, ladies, you know, I just am giving you an overall view today for you to just hear these terms. So if your friends talk about it or if you get it, you can understand it. But you're definitely going to have to dive into more of this in, on a much more comprehensive level if you are diagnosed with any of those types of breast cancer. Um, because treatment choices, lifestyle, everything 
changes and it's individual per woman. So I just wanted to give you a brief overview of what those are, okay, because those are the, you know, the most prevalent types of breast cancers in women. So other things that we've talked about as well, we talked about embracing a balanced diet, regular exercise, stress management, and self-breast exams collectively can contribute to breast health and can reduce the risk of breast cancer. We also talk about genetic factors such as BRCA mutations that can significantly impact breast cancer risk. Genetic testing may be considered for individuals with a family history of the, of the breast cancer disease. We talked about that breastfeeding offers some protection against breast cancer by reducing lifetime estrogen exposure. It's a positive choice for both mother and baby. And then we answered some questions around breast reconstruction. Is it, It's a personal decision after mastectomy and various options exist. Timing and type of reconstruction should be discussed with your healthcare provider. We also talked about early detection through regular mammograms, clinical breast exams, and self-breast exams is critical for improving our outcome with cancer, especially breast cancer. Lifestyle factors such as maintaining healthy weight, regular physical activity, and limiting alcohol consumption can collectively reduce the risk of breast cancer by approximately 30%. Okay, so we covered a lot of stuff. So ladies, you know, we talked about that your breast is a, is a precious asset that deserves your attention and care. By understanding the risk factors, staying informed about breast cancer, and adopting a healthy lifestyle, we as women have the power to make significant impacts on our well-being. Regular screenings, self-breast exams, and open communication with your healthcare provider are all allies in the journey towards early detection and prevention. Remember, ladies, that knowledge is your greatest weapon against breast cancer. Embrace a balanced diet, incorporate regular exercise into your routine, manage stress effectively, and prioritize self-breast exams. These options combined with regular medical checkups can contribute to a long and healthy life with breasts that remain resilient. Okay, Breast health, ladies, in my book, is all about empowerment and taking control of your own well-being. By making informed choices and by staying vigilant, you are not only reducing your risk of breast cancer, but also setting a positive example for those around you. Together, ladies, we can continue to raise awareness and work towards a world where breast cancer and breast health is a priority. I'm sorry, where breast health is a priority for every woman. We want to reduce breast cancer and eradicate it altogether. So your health matters, ladies, and you have the strength to protect it. So here's the last, my last message for today. I want us to move forward with confidence, knowledge, and a commitment to breast health. Okay, your journey begins with a single step, and every step you take is a step towards a healthier, brighter future. So thank you for joining us in this important conversation. And remember, your health is your greatest wealth and business asset. So wear it wisely. Until next week, ladies, may God richly bless your life. And bye for now.